Discipleship Program podcast, and we're excited to have you here with us again. If you don't remember who we are, this is that moment where we say who we are, and you leave your message after the beep. This is... I'm Jeff. Julie. Michael. James. Gabriel. Edgar. John. <laughs> so join us as we continue to study the book of 1 Corinthians. Our last episode was on 1 Corinthians 10, and we finished saying that everything we do, we need to do for the glory of God. And now our next chapter is 11. So let's dive in and see what lessons can we get. So before that, let's just pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for one more day of life, and thank you because we get to get together at least through internet and hear more uh, about you. May your Holy Spirit be among us and may we all get the message that we need to get from your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Jeff, take us in. All right, so... Where are we at? We are... Verse 1. Of? The Bible. We're in... Yeah, it's interesting because on, on, on my NIV, the break doesn't continue, doesn't start until verse two. So it, it lumps in verse one into the last chapter, which is, which is kind of cool because verse one not only concludes where we left off nicely, but it, it can also start just about any chapter in the Bible. And it starts out, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's, that's pretty phenomenal. So we got yeah, this is a very difficult uh, set of passages, so it's going to be really challenging for all of us, and I think for all of our listeners, but it'll be fun for us to just go through it and get out of it what we can. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophecy, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For a man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for women's sake, but woman was created for men's sake. On account of the angels, then, a woman should have a covering over her head to show that she's under her husband's authority. Hello. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is 
of glory to her, for her hair is given for her for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Wow, that's, that's just <laughs> clicked. Doesn't that click? Just boom, boom, boom. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Gabriel, hear it up, buddy. Tell us what it all means. All right, Gabriel. <laughs> it means that I should cut my hair. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. All right. So, Jeff, I'm just going to start out here and throw something out that I think will be helpful for the whole context of this. Okay. And that is just, just, I just want to share with you one thing that will help guide us, and maybe we can move through it and identify some of the, the points that I'm, that I'm summarizing in one point. The one thing that I get out of this that I think is practical for us today and really significant in what Paul is saying is that there is a distinction between a man and a woman. There's a difference between a man and a woman, and that difference should ever be made in our understanding of God's creation. God created us distinctly different. A man has a difference and a woman has a difference. We have different roles. We have different ways that God relates to us and the way we relate to each other. And God is basically, Paul is basically saying under inspiration that those differences should remain intact. Huh. Okay. I, I'm, I'm okay with that so far. That's the basic premise of the, all these verses. That's the basic point he's making. Why would Paul, what's the, what's the need for Paul to address this distinction? Because in the previous chapter, we were, we were into the Gentiles and bringing glory to God and and what we're eating and now he switches to the distinction that there's a definite distinction I mean it's obvious when we look that there's a definite distinction between a man and a woman so I don't what, what is Paul addressing here that he had to do this well so that's a good is there is there possible yeah. is it a possibility that Paul is trying to give women more credit than they got back in that time and place in that society like they were kind of undermined and underlooked or overlooked um as in their value and and that sort of thing at that time is that true um it might be but i don't see that in the text necessarily i see him supporting the woman as god created her and identifying her with certain um, characteristics and then, I, and then supporting the man in the way God created him and identifying him with, with certain characteristics or responsibilities or um, relationship. He's talking here about relationship between man, woman, and God and man and woman with each other, man and woman with each other. I think the point he's making, and I, I'm not sure what the historic context of this is, but I think the point that we can get out of it for today is that we need to be careful about gender distinction and the, the destroying of gender distinction. And that's what we see taking place uh, big time today. And I'm wondering if Paul was dealing with a little bit of that in his time in the Gentile world 
where there was a, uh, a disappearance of the gender distinction. Huh. So that's why, I mean, that lends itself to women shaving their head and appearing like a man? Well, let me give and you the talking about point. the disgrace the of that? Here, yeah, the first point here, for example, is, um, you know, starting with verse 3, he says there's a headship that I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is the man. So now you have a distinction between the man and the woman. You have a man that is head of the woman. You have Christ that's head of the man. You have God that's head of Christ. So there's a headship distinction. Then in verse 4 it says that a man cannot pray or prophesy with his head covered. But then it says in verse 5, but a woman needs to have her head covered. So there's another distinction. A man doesn't have to have his head covered, shouldn't have his head covered when he prays or prophesies. A woman should have her head covered when she prays or prophesies. So what I see Paul doing here is he's, he's showing distinction between the two genders. Um, in verse 5 or 6, the one you were referring to, uh, Jeff, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it's a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. So again, there's a distinction there. So I think it's distinction here that he's uh, focusing on, showing that a woman should be distinct from a man. Her actions in relationship to God should be different. When you're in church, you're going to know if it's a man because he's not going to have his head covered. You're going to know it's a woman because she's going to have her head covered. Um, a man is going to be the head of a woman, as Christ is the head of man and God is the head of Christ. So there's these distinctions that he's making between the man and the woman. And then he goes on to make his point um, in verse 7 for as much as he, man, is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Why? Because the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. What does that mean? Anyone? Say it again. Verses verse 7 and 8. Okay. Or verse 9 would be included that. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So the woman is of the man, and the woman was created for the man. goes back to creation. Yeah, and what, how did that, how do these verses fit the creation process? It goes through the image, we were made in the image of God. It just reiterates what God originally um, did with his own hands. But it says the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. What is well, that? Because this is rib. That's right. The woman was created from the man. Right, so the woman was created from the rib of the man, and then it goes on to say in verse 9 that the man was not created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. Right. So God made us a help me, one for him, to be by his side, to help him out of his rib. And it doesn't mean that the woman, the man is supposed to lord it over the woman. Um, because he says here in verse 11, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, or the, neither is the woman without the man in the Lord. They're both equal in that sense. But they both have roles. They both have distinctions. There's differences between the two. And that's what Paul here, I think, you know, there may be other things that he's dealing with, but this is definitely the main point of all these verses. Um, he's showing that there's a distinction. And in the church, traditionally, these distinctions are clear. A woman prays and prophesies this way. A man prays and prophesies this way. A woman was um, to be, you know, uh, under the headship of the man. 
just like Christ, the man's under the headship of Christ, just like Christ's under the headship of God. There's rules, there's distinctions between the two. Hmm. And it goes back to creation. All right. Did the say that man came from the woman? Woman a, came from man. Passage. But uh, it my, says, verse 12, for as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. So the woman is of the man, but the man comes by the right. woman. And to, that's, be, to keep them equal but distinct. Well, that, what that verse is saying is the woman is of the man. That was from his rib, but the man now comes by the woman. That right. is through the woman. Birth. Birth, right. Right. To keep them to keep, to keep them equal but distinct. That's another distinction. A man is born of a man. A man is born of a woman. Does that make sense? But not equal. It's just another distinction. In other words, that's another distinguishing mark between a man and men can't have children. They can't give birth to children. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So I have a, a question, or I guess more of a statement, but I don't know what you guys are thinking. Um, so Eve came from Adam's rib, right? Yeah. Eve did not come from Adam's toe. She came from his rib. Right. I think that was a symbol of equality. Um, in what, in what's being said in chapter 11, um, I feel like there's just, Paul's just saying, kind of like what you're saying, James, that he's just specifying the difference between the genders. Um, but in, in their distinctions, he's, he's specifying how they're still one. Does that make sense? Yeah. How they're still in, in the unity. Lord. Um, because I mean, he talks about in chapter seven, how, you know, a, a woman needs to give a man his due affection and the man needs to give the woman her due affection. He says, you know, the yeah. man is not in charge of his own body. The woman is. And the, and, and he says that the woman's not in charge of her own body. The man is. And, and that's chapter seven verses one through five. When he talks about sexual immorality, I think, or sexual purity, I forget what it was. Um... But yeah, I just feel like he's 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 saying, you know, here are the genders, and here's Christ and God at the ultimate head. Um, but we're all it's 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 all like a circle of beneficence because you can't have man without woman. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to birthing, so it it's it just works. There's this ebb and flow. This, Give and take, whatever. Um, and I like to think that when it says the head of woman is man, um, for me, it's that's like the point where I like cringe. And I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know about this. Mm -hmm. But then right before that, I'm glad that the first thing he said was the head of every man is Christ. So I think of it kind of like this. I read this in a book once. Um, that the man is only the head of the woman if he strives to love her as Christ loves the church. And if there's a situation in which a man is not uh, loving a woman the way in which Christ loves the church or strives to love the woman the way that Christ uh, loves the church, then he is no longer her head. He has forfeited his headship. But yeah. That's that my thoughts. I like I, I I'm 
I don't know which James made me think of this, but I, I think <laughs> Ramirez gave, gave me a little bit of insight on verse 3. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. So the thing that makes sense to me is Christ and God are equals. But yet, God is still the head of Christ. So, there you go. That's good. Man can still be the head of woman, even though they're equals. And we're all right. one in God, the Father, when we're operating in, in perfect love and harmony and unity. I like that. Yeah, that's really good. Because I, I was having problems with, like, how can, how can I be the head of my wife if we're equal? And that's just how we, how we operate in society today. That this doesn't work in our higher in our, in our hierarchical system, in our hi- system of hierarchy. Whereas in God's system, that's upside down. He's the head of us, but he's the servant. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. So, who cares if I'm the head of woman? That that puts the responsibility on me to be her servant. Mm. And yet, in, in the grand scheme of things, we're all equal. So let me, let's insert the word servant for head. But I want you to know that the servant of every man is Christ. The servant of woman is man. And the servant of Christ is God. <laughs> now what just happened? I'm getting nothing. <laughs> Are they froze? No, they're not no, froze. They're, they're thinking. They're in deep thought. Like, oh, I thought James was speaking to Jeff because Jeff, you were just talking, and James just responded to you, didn't he? No, no, he was refer- He was talking to the group. Yeah, to the group. Yeah. Okay, so so you guys, when when someone talks to the group, you guys are thinking I'm going to respond. Oh no, 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 not at all. No. I okay. it just no, went quiet. No, it just saying. went quiet, and it I just went quiet. We were thinking. That there might be well, some well, some confirming or denying from that corner. I was just looking for a yeah, yes or no on that. None of us said anything. So why were you all looking at me? Because um, none of us had any authority to confirm or deny his new theory. Why not? We're all equal. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at John. So. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at you. We're all looking at John. <laughs> He's just leaning back in his chair. Okay, we're all equal. (laughs) Yeah, so I just, okay. Now let's get back to Jeff's point. Jeff, you were making a point that I think is really significant in that you said that the head of Christ is God, and yet they're equal. Yeah. But they're different. True. Aren't they different? Correct. So Christ had a certain role that that he fulfilled and fulfills to this day, and it's different from the role that God fulfills. Yeah, different parts. So a woman has a certain role that she fulfills, and it's different than the role that man fulfills. Yes. And so that's the thing that I think Paul is trying to develop here is gender distinction and role difference. And in the world today, they're trying to mix that. They're trying to pull that all together so there's no so we're gender neutral. And I think Paul wants to to preserve the gender difference. 
between men and women. I think that's the inspired principle that runs through these texts. Wow, that's crazy. I've, n- I've never thought as gender neutrality being such a, I don't know, problem as a, as a, uh, as a biblical, biblically flawed ideal. And it's interesting because in verse 5, <clears throat> but every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. Basically, um, at least in the commentaries that I was reading, the head covering was a sign of being under authority. And and then when she shaves her head, that was a sign in numbers of she was basically a prostitute or she had committed adultery. So like this idea of each person having a different position, a different yeah, you just have these, like you're talking about, There's, you have Christ and he has a specific job. You have the man and he has a specific job. You have a woman and she has a specific job. And there's this difference in each. And they have their, they're under authority of the other. And basically this defer, the, the principle of like God and, and the Trinity and you defer to the next person. Mm. So we're saying that uh, we have different roles, but we're not saying that one role is more important the, than the other, right? Because I think that's, that's what, if you just read the text, you finish with that idea that if man is over, if you just read it and you don't think about it, okay, if man is over women, that means that he has more importance, that his voice is to some degree louder. Well, it just depends. Um... In some situations, the role of the woman is more important than the man. Like, for example, Paul says in verse 12, um, for as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman. If the woman doesn't fulfill her role, there's not going to be any more people being made, including men. We're going to become extinct. Distinct. So... Uh, let me just say it this way. I agree with what you're saying, Gabriel, in principle, but there are certain areas in society where the loss of the woman's distinctness, of the woman's role, is greatly affecting the way society relates and operates. It's changing our society. Mm-hmm. And the loss of the man's role is changing our society. Right. So I wouldn't say there better or any less, but I think the fact that they're different, and it's kind of like this, it's kind of like when you're in a situation where you have different roles, someone says, well, I want to fill that role. Now, the first person who ever said, I want to fill that role, Satan, instead of Lucifer, role, was Lucifer. Mm. That's where it all started. Mm. And that's why saying, Paul keeps using this phrase, in the Lord, in the Lord. In the Lord, because God's the one that set up this order, and so we need to go to Him to decide if He wants us to do something different. And every time, once in a while, He does. There's there's a pretty pretty clear principle in the Bible of male a pattern of male leadership Mm -hmm. throughout the Scriptures. You know, the apostles, the tribes, the leaders of Israel, male. But but there's times when when there's exceptions to that, and that's and God was the one who set up those exceptions. Like, for example, most of the male judges in the Bible of the Old Testament are men, but then there's one that's a woman. Her name was Deborah. 
and God set her up. She was a legitimate prop, um, judge in Israel. And so I think what Paul is saying here is God has this role that he has developed for the woman and developed for the man. And he wants us to follow those roles, unless, of course, you know, it's okay for a woman to be shorn and be a prostitute. But if it isn't, then he wants us to fulfill those roles and follow this biblical model and look to him for orders and direction, just like the angels do. Because look at this. It's really a strange verse, isn't it? It says, verse 10, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head, that is, to have a covering, a sign that she's under the power of her husband, um, because of the angels. You see the connection there now from what we just talked about? It was, it was the angels in heaven who first um, sought to move out of the role that God had designated them to fill. Mm. And so God has a role for women and for men, and he's saying for this cause, a woman should fulfill her role and should recognize the headship of a man because of the angels. Because God's trying to get us back to the roles that he made us, created us to fulfill. And the reason we're not in those roles right now is because of the angels and their apostasy. Lucifer comes down and he tempts Eve to step out of her role. And Eve thinks she can get this fruit and be like God and is looking for a a higher plane, a higher sphere, if you will. And if you read what Ellen White says, that's exactly what she says, that, that Eve was tempted to to move out of her role and to look to put herself in a higher sphere. She was tempted to do the very same thing that Lucifer was, was trying to do in heaven. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that these verses are really hitting that point, this whole role reversal issue, and they're very applicable to us today mm-hmm. in principle. Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. I would have never pulled that out of those verses. So, and and it's not just about, it's more than just um, not wanting to be out of my role. It's it's the opposite of that. So it's not like we're just at the always on the on the edge, on the inside of the fence looking out or wanting, you know, the grass to be seeing that greener grass on the other side. There's there's an area of like like room to room to be free because you're you're supposed to be a servant within your field not trying to get out and be something else and be yeah I don't don't know I lost it I think it's really interesting Jeff and I'm just going to use this as an illustration for all of you I think it's really interesting, at least in my life, that when I tried to do in ministry the thing that other people were doing and didn't do the thing that I was called to do, that God specifically called me to do, there was, there was a tension that took place or developed. And I think it's the same thing with all of us. I'm using that as an illustration, not of male and female, but of what God has called us to do. We find what God has called us to do, and it's easier to do that. That's an easy thing for us to do. It's easier to do what God has called us to do, even um, even if what we want to do seems better. Um, we settle into a peace. We settle into um, a way of life 
So what we need to do is we need to figure out, okay, what does God call me to do? And as a man, as a woman, that's really easy. Because the woman and the man are so distinctly identified in Scripture as to their roles. And if servanthood is the goal and we have no problem being a servant, then man just needs to figure out what his servanthood is. And his servanthood is to take care of the woman. That's why a woman shouldn't have to be a prostitute and sell her body for money so that she can make a living. The man should be taking care of her. So even that illustration of prostitution is kind of affirming the whole ideal or principle here that God is laying out in his word. Men take care of women. Now, I've told my wife, you know, in some of our conversations how, yeah, I've been working for the 29 years we've been married, and I've always provided for you, I've taken care of you, I've taken care of the house payments, I've bought all the food, paid the bills, I've done that year after year after year after year after year, I'm expected to do that. Now, my wife works, and she makes money, but she's not expected to pay all those bills. It's nice if she does and she helps me, but she's not expected to do that because I'm the head of the house, I'm expected to do that. That's the servanthood role. And um, I've sometimes been tempted to think, oh, I can just, now that my wife works, I can just quit my job and she can start providing and paying for the bills. I'll just stay home and get a bunch of tools and just start diddling around and fixing things. But that's not my role. My role is not to stay home and, you know, do the, clean the house and make the food and all that kind of stuff. My role is, is to provide for her and take care of her in the larger context of life. Today, in society today, those roles are getting mixed up. Those roles are a little difficult, especially in Western countries, because women get careers and they don't necessarily stay home and have kids or blah, blah, blah. They, you know, they, and they become independent of the man. They become independent of the men. Hmm. I understand the black and white of these, but I'm thinking of all the shades of gray that you have in between. Thinking of people who never get married. How does that go about? You're going to have women that you never get married, and you're going to have men that you never get married, or you're going to have women like my mom who had to raise two kids by herself and to work and to not be a stay-at-home mom. So how do we... So we just say that that's not it. Don't do it. No, you say that those are exceptions. Um, I was raised by a stay-at-home mom. I mean, by a working mom, too. And... In society, in our society today that's filled with sin, God's, God's ideal can't always be practiced because of mm. all of the different imperfections and failures of human beings to be able to, to, meet this, to meet these ideals. Paul was single. He wasn't married. So I think there's exceptions, but I think God also works through those exceptions, and these principles stay intact. We don't change all of society I'm not saying that we don't, we're not changing all society, we are, but we don't need to change all of society because of the exceptions. So in English, there's a saying, I before E except after C. And that except is called an exception, but it doesn't change the rule. The rule is I before E. The exception is except after C. And in, in life, I think, biblically speaking, here, here are the basic roles that God has given us. Here's what he'd like us to follow. And then there's exceptions. And God understands exceptions. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> Praise God for his exceptions. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it's like the first two chapters of Genesis and the last two chapters of Revelation are God's ideal for us and the rest mm. is just navigating the evil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, you could say it that way. 
Michael? It's a picture of the symbiotic relationship of Eden and like how it can, the law of love can actually work and how you, you before me is the principle of this chapter is it's Jesus putting us before himself. Uh, you know, Philippians 2 verse 7 he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of servant who was made of the likeness of men. Like, just this servanthood and how it's just like this reciprocal relationship works when you put the other person before yourself. Hmm. And maybe you have a different position than them. Maybe you do something different, but it's not about like who's best or who's the greatest. It's actually about putting them before yourself. Hmm. That's crazy. That's awesome. What do you guys think of the last verse there where it says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. I think Paul is dealing with a local issue there as well as the principles that we've been talking about. And I think the local issue that he's dealing with there is head covering literal head covering and the literalness of long hair versus shorn hair on women. He's talking about how men should um, not pray or prophesy with their heads covered. Women should pray or prophesy with their heads covered as a sign of man, man's authority over them. And a woman shouldn't have shorn hair if it's a shame. Um, if it's not a shame, that's fine. But if it's in society, it, it's a shame. In other words, it's an indication of prostitution. She shouldn't have that. But listen, if, if people are going to be contentious about this and make a big deal about this, don't just ignore it. We're not we're not going to push this. This is we have no such custom as men uncovering and women being covered and all these different things, because this is not about contentiousness. This is simply about the way God created us, the roles he wants mm -hmm. us to fulfill and God's ideal for us. Right. That's what I think he's dealing with. That's how, that's how I was reading. I think it was helpful too to to kind of understand how to navigate some of these difficult questions, because I think when we come into a posture of being like, well, what does God want and what is the purpose for these things? Um, then he says, well, this is this is what it's for. But if it's going to be a big distraction or we're going to get caught up on certain things or maybe we're not there yet, then he's just like, look, you know, we're not ready for that. Let's let's focus on more important things. Um, because we can fight about it. I love also. that because, yeah, that's a really good point, Edgar, because... God does want us to reach the highest ideal, and he wants to restore us to, I think, the way that he organized us or created us in the beginning. But there's a lot of pride in the human heart, mm. and we have a lot of difficulty submitting to God's plan and thinking it's the best way. Most of society today wouldn't even, you know, they'd look at these verses, even Christians, they would say, oh, we'll just skip all of that. And I think that's the point Paul's making, and I think that's basically what we've had to do with it. When we get to heaven, you know, God's going to have an order, and we're going to we're going to fit into that, and we're going to follow it, and we're each going to have a place, responsibility, you know, um, and none of us are going to argue with God about it. We're all going to be happy right where we are and what we're doing and who we are and the way God created us. Hmm. Hmm. That was me again. I was just saying, um, but yeah, until then, 
you know, let's not be contentious about this kind of stuff. I think, you know, we haven't really addressed the elephant in the room. So I think that these verses are huge in relation to women's ordination. Mm. Those who are against women's ordination use these verses and they develop, uh, they've developed and, and share what's called a headship principle. And most people who are against women's or for women's ordination totally disagree with the headship principle. And so I just want to address that while it's in the room. I mean, while we're here. Um, so we have a church that is dividing over the issue of women's ordination. We have the possibility of the NAD. Well, right now, the NAD has officially said, we reject the decision of the General Conference at annual council. We reject that, and we request that they reconsider and not follow through with this. And so you have an NAD that's rejecting a General Conference decision and follow-up vote, and Paul's saying, hey, listen, (laughs) if anyone's contentious about this, just drop it. Hmm. We're not dropping it. I think we should drop it. Amen. Hmm. Wow. That just gave me chills. Intense discussion. Pretty serious, isn't it? You guys are all, um, yeah. It's good to reconnect. Mm-hmm. We're living yeah. some scary, some, some real times. Very intense uh, discussion. Thank you guys for this intense discussion that I think brought more questions than answers, but <laughs> good questions. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> let's continue chewing on it. And thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or comments on this, please uh, share that with us and your take on this discussion. Let's just finish with prayer. Would you pray for us, Julie? Yeah, sure. Dear Heavenly Father God, um, I pray that you will come into our heart and into our mind and that you will lead us into all truth and that you will um, convict us in our hearts to um, be in unity with what you have to say to us and where you want us to go and what you want us to be. And I just pray that each person here and listening will be convicted as to where... Um, you're leading them and that they will be brave enough to follow that. Mm. Thank you so very much for um, your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.